Thank God for this praise and worship team. Give the Lord some praise, everybody. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. This is the bones. I said, there's the bones. Come on, somebody. They might be rattling, but pretty soon they're standing up on their feet. Then I heard the Lord say to Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind. And the wind came into them and they became alive. Can you say amen? You see right now, church, we're, we're getting put back together this week. We're getting put back together. but And God's even clothing us with some brand new skin, some brand new muscle. Getting us ready for the battle. But boy, without the anointing of God, we're still dead men walking. But come on, somebody. If you've been born again, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost of God. You're alive in Christ. You're alive. Turn at somebody and say, I'm alive. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, every, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Every eye is going to see him. That he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, I feel good in here today. I mean, I mean, I feel good. I forgot I even had a stroke. Praise God. I forgot about it. I, I, that's what I'm talking about right now. I, I, I came here last year, I believe it was, walking in my healing. Walking into my healing. And this year, I'm going to run in my victory. Come on. Hey! Church on fire. Can you say it with me? Church on fire. Say it again. Church on fire. Say it again. Church on fire. One more time. Church on fire. Folks, I'm telling you today, the Lord has given us a message. And this is so unbelievable because I understand my beautiful wife was preaching here yesterday. And, 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 and I asked her, do you know what you're going to preach on? She said, yep. And, she, and usually, you know, I like to share with her. And I was hoping she'd share with me. But she just, yep, boom, boom, gone. So I found out when she got back and when they came out of there, uh, she, I said, well, what did you preach on? She said, Acts 2. My whole message is on church on fire. Acts 2. And maybe some more. God is doing something special. Folks, let me say something to you. It's wonderful that you've, you've just treated us so nice. And we love coming to this church. Really do. And Pastor Larry and, and Sandy, thank you for your hospitality. And man, he can cook a mean steak. They really rolled out the red carpet for us yesterday. And and I brought with me uh, Pastor David Bushville and his wife, Tanya. I'd like for them to stand if they would. Praise God. I'm going to say something. This man right here, two months ago, or maybe about three months ago, he uh, the Lord led him into full-time ministry, and he walked away from a, a career, a job that he had for 20 or 25 years, and he and stepped out on faith to take a church. And I just had ordained him the year before. And when I ordained him, the Lord so, told me, said, he is going to pastor. So you might as well confess it over him right now. He's going to pastor. And within less than a year or so, 
he walked away from his secular job and stepped in by faith into full-time ministry. Can you give the Lord some praise? That's not easy to do. Because you see, when you're in full-time ministry, you don't wake up every week saying, well, I get paid on Thursday. You wake up every day saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm just going to live by faith. Come on, somebody. It's not that easy. But let me say something. He hadn't, he, he had quit his job. He hadn't been off that job two weeks when he had a massive heart attack. The devil tried to kill him within two weeks. And the next day he had another massive heart attack. And as he was in the hospital, he'll tell you, and his, he was weak, and, they, and he had, I believe it was five arteries clogged, and whatever was wrong. He humbled himself before the Lord. You see, the devil was saying, see, you made a mistake. Where's your insurance? I'll tell you where his insurance is. Come on, somebody. It's not in Aetna. It's not in Humana. It's not in Blue Cross Blue Shield. It's in the Red Cross and the Red Shield of the Gospel of Christ. Hey! Pentecostal fire. Acts chapter 2. Let's go there if you would. Praise the Lord. We're going to read. God is healing. God is saving and delivering. I'm telling you, this week has been amazing. Starting from Wednesday night on. Let's read what it says in the word of the Lord. And when the day of Pentecost. <laughs> and oh, by the way, today's the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles. Of all the feasts, this is the one feast that you celebrate for seven days. So don't leave here today saying that the, that the uh, elevate is over. Because in the next seven days, you ought to just be celebrating elevation. Celebrate the elevate. Celebrate the elevate. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. They were all in one mind, one accord. They came together and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Suddenly, instantly, miraculously, supernaturally. See, they'd already received the promise in Acts 1. They were told, wait until you be endued with power on high. We heard Bishop Clint Brown preach a little bit about that Friday night. How that they were told to wait and only 120 did. But here's what it says. Those that were gathered in that room, suddenly it came. And the Bible says, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire. Or two cloven split tongues of fire. Say fire. It sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can you say amen? The Holy Ghost of God was upon every one of them. God didn't leave anybody out. If you're here today at Solid Rock Church or you're watching online, God isn't going to leave you out. Just stay on. Don't, 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 don't click on something else right now. Don't you dare get away right now. Because I'm telling you, God's about ready to give you some manna from heaven that could change your life. If you just listen to the Lord. And the Bible said, and so they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men of every nation under heaven. And when it was noised abroad or when the sound went out, that they were confounded. The multitude came together. They were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. 
they were all amazed. They marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not these all Galileans? How do they speak in a language that we all can understand? You know something when the, the Bible, on the Feast of Pentecost, that is the, the feast when the, it's called the celebration of the giving and receiving of the Torah, that when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, the Bible says that God sent his word with fire. And he writ the commandments on those tablets of stone with the fiery finger of his hand. And as he did, the mountain began to shake. And the fire began to surround the mountain. And even Moses just got a glimpse of the hinder side of God between the, crept, the clefts of a rock. And he couldn't even, they couldn't stop shining for 40 days. But God spoke to fire. Now in rabbinical writings, this isn't in your Bible, but in rabbinical writings, they believe there was 70 languages on the earth at that time. And that God's word is actually sent out to all 70 languages. They just couldn't understand it. Because they only, only the, those that would receive it, Moses and the children of Israel. What's amazing is 3,000 people died. The day that the Lord sent the Torah or sent the, the, the commandments, 3,000 people died that day. But on the Feast of Pentecost, when that day came, the Bible tells us that 3,000 were saved that day. And every nation heard it, and this time they understood it. Can you say amen? You see, right now we got people saying, well, that doesn't matter. God hasn't spoken to me. I, I'm not so sure there is a God. You know, COVID, the excuse is COVID has put it into Christianity. See, that's where the devil's made a big mistake. I'm sorry, devil, but you really messed up. Because you'll never see a church door close again. You got pastors that's already got their mind made up. You could drag Larry Raglan to jail. He could care less. He'll, 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 he'll toss his keys to his wife and say, make sure it's open Sunday. People will be, listen, you can't stop. And oh, by the way, I just looked across this crowd. It's, it's, it's almost twice what was here last sun, last year. I can see it. I can see it. And, and, and oh, but the spirit is way higher. So sometimes God has to do a little purging before he can get things all the way going. But the remnant has uh, the remnant stayed with it because the remnant's hungry. And there's people out there all over uh, Birmingham that are needing Jesus Christ in their life. And God is about to do something. He's already doing it. I don't have to say about to. He's already doing it. God is doing something here that's about to explode on this city. I'm here to prophesy to you today that there's a breakout revival coming where you will not be able to handle what's about to take place. People will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They will fill this auditorium and the balcony. They'll be outside an hour or two early, waiting for the doors to open. There'll be healings and miracles and breakthroughs and, and drug ads set free and alcoholics delivered and people healed in the name of Jesus. Because this is church on fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heidi was uh, speaking yesterday, I guess, and Clint did it, uh, spoke about it some on Friday. But you see, here's what they did when these guys were all under the anointing. They were all under the anointing of God, and that fire of God was everywhere, and miracle was happening. People could understand. But there were some that were standing on the side mocking. Believe me, the mockers are out there. 
Even in the last days, the Bible said there'll be scoffers and mockers will come in those days saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, everything's the same as it always was. They're going to mock the Holy Ghost. They, they, they are going to mock the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. The world doesn't understand it. And the, the Bible said that these guys started mocking. And they begin to say, let's read where it happened there. It says in verse uh, 13, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, but Peter stood up among the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. You see, Heidi, I guess when you were, your message yesterday, when you said that when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, that his sweat became as great drops of blood. He prayed and the pressure, he went into the wine press of God. My, my, the, the word Gethsemane means oil press or the press. So in other words, when Jesus, before he were getting ready to arrest him, to take him to the cross, he asked the disciples to stay with him in one hour and pray. Even though they fell asleep, he went ahead and prayed on, the, uh, on that agony, and he prayed till his sweat became great drops of blood. In other words, the wine press, the press, he was pressure, he was bleeding, the, the new oil, the new wine of the New Testament. Jesus had said at the marriage of Cana when his mother came to him and said, we're out of wine. It's been three days. This, this wedding's really going good. and We've we run out of wine, somebody. She said, well, you, you need to do something. She said, you need to do something. He said, woman, my time is not yet. Mm -mm. It ain't time for me to make new wine just yet. But since I, I'm your son and I believe in obeying my mother and my father and keeping the law, I will turn the water into wine. But it wasn't just any kind of wine, folks. No, 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 no. This was the top champagne. They folks that never had never drunk none like this. The governor even said, what in the world are you folks doing? You, you're supposed to break this out first. Why did you wait till men have been drunk for three days and break out the best wine there is? I've got news for you. When you get a drink from heaven, when you get a drink of the Holy Ghost, when you drink from the fountain, out of the manual's veins flows a, a fountain, hallelujah, for healing, a fountain for deliverance, a fountain for breakthrough, a fountain of redemption, a fountain of the Holy Ghost of God under the wine press. It's time this morning to drink from Gethsemane's fountain. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. So then the Lord spoke to me this morning and said, oh, 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 you want a little more on that? I said, sure, because Heidi was the one that preached that yesterday. And I went, oh, man, why didn't I think of that? The Lord said, okay, I'll give you a little extra. I said, oh, good. He said, do you remember when the four horsemen of the apocalypse are galloping? I said, yeah. Remember the black horseman? The one that, you know comes about in the wheat and the barley and the price 
food prices will, when you see the food prices go way up, and you, because the war may be taking place in Ukraine right now, which is the breadbasket of the world, where 30% of the world's wheat and barley has grown, is right now being in jeopardy due to a war. And so you see the price of food skyrocketing everywhere. The Lord said, when you see the barley and the wheat prices exceed, the Bible says, do not touch the oil and the wine. And the Lord said to me, Gethsemane is an oil press and, but at that garden came a blood release. In other words, this anointing, the blood and the wine. In other words, it don't matter how bad the economy gets, the devil can't touch the anointed. Those of you who are drinking from the oil and the wine. He said he can supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He is the God of more than enough. If you give a tithe into the kingdom of God, the Lord said that he would rebuke the devourer for your sake. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you won't have room to contain. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking it. Press down. Oh, come on, somebody. You can't get blood. You can't get new wine unless you press something down. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men given to your bosom. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct your path. Oh, I feel good. Ch say it with me. Church on fire. My God. Look at your neighbor next to you and say, here, here's your hanky. You're sweating. Fire's on you. The fire on you. You need a hanky. New wine. God speaks through the new wine. God also speaks in fire. Moses was on the backside of the mountain. Take care of Jethro's sheep. You know, brother, he already spent 40 years. He was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he, and even, but his mother's the one that taught him the ways of God. God set this up so good. What the devil meant for bad, the Lord meant it for good. Even though the slaughter had taken place and it killed millions of little children, Moses escaped because he was a little alligator bait floating in the Nile River in the bulrushes. And so he went to live in the palace. He was taught the things of the Egyptians and the things of God. He was more than qualified to be the leader of Egypt. And so when the time came that he saw his brethren being attacked and he saw the Egyptian doing it, he slew the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. He thought nobody knew, but they did. He left Egypt, went to the backside of a mountain, married a woman there, and took care of his father-in-law's sheep for 40 more years. He wandered in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Some of you might be here today. You were raised in church and you knew about God's goodness, but maybe you've drifted a little way out there too far and you've been wandering around out there wondering if there's still a God. I'm here to tell you, he's about to speak to you through the fire in this place today. So Moses, all of a sudden the bush started burning. The fire came 
And God spoke through the burning bush. The Bible says as this bush was burning, Moses turned to see what it was. And when he turned to see, an angel spoke to him. The Lord spoke to him out of the burning bush and began to say, Moses, take your shoes off for the land, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. I thought it was Jethro's back, back side of the mountain where the presence of the Lord is. Thank you, brother. Where the presence of the Lord is, wherever the Lord is, then he's Shama is here. It's it changes. Changes the whole situation when God shows up. I don't care if you're in a in a in, in a prison. When the Lord shows up, jailhouse rock begins. Elvis, Elvis never Elvis don't know anything about jailhouse rock like they had. It don't matter if you're uh, in the in buried up to your neck in dung and commanded to never preach or speak or prophesy. And when they finally pulled Jeremiah out of the sewer pit, after they finally pulled him out of the sewer, he's dusted himself off, cleansed himself off. And they said, don't you dare prophesy again, never again. And he said, how can you be quiet when there's fire, 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 shut up in your bones. Somebody say church on fire. You see, in the book of Acts, it tells us after the day of Pentecost. That wasn't just the, the end of the story. Folks, that was just the beginning of what God was about to do. The Bible said they went from house to house, breaking bread with prayer and supplication. And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. It's just a few days later, but Peter and John was going to the temple to pray, being the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And as they entered in, there was a man that laid at the gate called Beautiful, begging alms from everybody that come by. Can you say amen? And Peter looked at him and he, and he said, look at me, look at me. Come on, somebody. If the past service says, look at me, you look at him. You're about ready to receive something from God. Peter said, look on me, look on us, silver and gold. Have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Take up that bed and walk. And the crippled man got up and he went into the house of the Lord. And he didn't just walk in, scroll in, sit in the back seat and hope nobody saw him. He ran through the, that door, leaping and shouting and praising God. And everybody there knew who he was. They knew a miracle had happened. And guess what, folks? It became church on fire. They shouted. They praised the Lord. They seen the miracle. And the Bible said that then Peter and John saw that the crowd was pressing upon them. They went out on Solomon's porch just to get a little air, Larry. You know, sometimes we just got to get out to ourselves just a minute just to catch a breath. But you know what people, you know what people who are pursuing the anointing will do? They'll hunt you down. They will. I've had them hunt me down. I've had them fall me into the bathroom. I'm like, can you give me just a moment, brother? You know, I don't want to be like rock, but something, something's cooking. Something, I smell something cooking. You, you need to get off here. Give me, give me some room. They'll still hang around. They're pursuing God. They'll follow you everywhere. 
And they, so they pressed out onto Solomon's porch and they begin to press in and they begin to ask about these things of God. And oh, praise God, Peter began to preach the, the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, Yeshua, the Son of the living God. And as he preached, the Bible says 5,000 people were saved that very day. Can you say, church on fire? I don't know if you're getting this. I'm not sure you're getting it just yet. I don't know if you understand. Can you see it? Can you see it? I see it by faith. I see it. I see it. I see the altar filled. I see the aisles filled. People standing in line trying to get to the front, trying to get a hold of Jesus, trying to be saved, trying to be healed, trying to receive a miracle. Listen, folks, I shouldn't be standing on this stage today. I'm going to tell you that right now. 35 years ago, I just started preaching not long before that. On my way to work, I used to make bathtubs, praise God. So I'm thankful for every bathtub shower you see. Thank God, I might have made it. On my way to work, I was riding in the car. Young man was driving, 4 o'clock in the morning. Real cold in northern Indiana, 12 degrees that morning. The wind was blowing. It had snowed lightly the night before. I preached the night before, and the wind was blowing across. I was tired. It was 4 a.m., and all of a sudden, I laid back and put my seatbelt on. And I, and I said, I'm just going to close my eyes and take a little rest here on your way. And it wasn't five minutes. He lost control. He was driving about 70 miles an hour. He hit a patch of uh, where the snow had been blown across the road. He lost control. And the car rolled seven times, landing upside down into a large ditch. 20 foot deep, the car went underwater. And as we landed in, under the water, there's two things. I, I, don't even want, I don't even confess it no more. But I'd always said, I never want to go be in a car upside down underwater. God, I'd never want that to happen to me. And I said, I greatly feared it. Just like Job, that thing Job greatly feared came upon him. Here we were underwater. Now my head had hit the window and had busted out the window on the, right, on, on the passenger side. And so we're underwater. The water rushed in. We're underwater quickly. And I, I realize I'm upside down in a seatbelt underwater, and I can't swim. And for a moment, if there's ever such a thing as time dilation, it's when everything slows down so slow that my entire life came before me. I seen myself as a little boy. I saw all my life including my, my, my wife I'd married and my little boys had been, and I, I saw my whole life flash before me, and it had to be less than a second. But it slowed down that much. And I remember saying to God, Lord, who will take care of my family? Lord, who will take care of my family? And then the next word that came out of my mouth, Jesus, help me. The, the, the seat belt was jammed. I was fighting with it. When I said, Jesus, help me, ding, it came loose. I spun around and went to the floorboard. There was about that much air, just enough to get a gulp of air. I felt it was pitch black, the, 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 the muddy ditches in Indiana. I felt my way around. I found the open window, and I grabbed a hold. And somehow God took me and fired me to the top, the, up to the surface, and had rescued me. And when I was saying, thank you, Lord. I could remember my friend in the other, it's still down there. 
And the Lord, the Holy Ghost, spoke to me and said, go get him. And for a moment, I thought about not doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? For just a moment, I thought about not doing it. But then another moment, I remembered who had just brought me out. So I, without thinking another thought, as wild as this sounds, a man that can't swim, who just been rescued once, dives in for another guy. I dove straight down. Don't know how it happened, but I hit the bottom of the car, and I, the window was out. I reached in there, and I got a hold of his coat, and I just pulled him. And when I pulled him, I don't know. I might have pulled him out of the car, but somebody else carried us to the top. I can tell you that. I think an angel came from somewhere. Because the next thing I know, we both shot up at the top of the water. We climbed out of that ditch. Well, then we had to walk a half a mile to a man's house. And as we're walking, it's 12 degrees. We're freezing. We're literally frozen solid by the time we get to some help. And then when we get there and knock on the door, the man comes to the door. He says, can I help you? I said, please, can you get an ambulance? My, my buddy here's hurt bad. He had a broken shoulder and a collarbone. He had a concussion. I said, he's hurt bad. Get an ambulance. For me, I said, can I just use your phone to call my wife to come and pick me up? He said, you sure you don't want an ambulance? I said, no, I'm fine. He said, then why is your head sitting over here? I had a broken neck. As soon as he said it, the pain rushed to it. My left arm went limp. It took 19 months of physical therapy. I should have been dead. Devil tried to kill me. Tried to kill me again with a heart attack a year later. Blood clot landed in my, in my heart. Tried to kill me. Tried to take me out with a stroke. He, ain't, he didn't want me to be here this morning, apparently. devil didn't want me here. You know why? Because somebody sitting here today, his life's about ready to change. Somebody sitting here right now. Somebody sitting here right now, and you can't wait for the altar call. You're already, God's already speaking to you. Because you're sitting among a church on fire. Brother Larry, I see a banner out front. I see a huge banner out front on that. On the, I don't know. You got a sign out there, but I mean, it, it, it's bigger than the sign. It's up on this church. It just says church on fire. And I see people coming in and there'll be pastors bringing in their congregations. There'll be folks coming in off the street. There'll be people from uh, that, that were out, outcast from society. People that everybody gave up on. People who were, but they'll be hungering and thirsting for something new, something real, some hope somewhere. I'm telling you, they're coming, folks. Hear me when I prophesy this to you. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. We can leave this Elevate Conference and be the same as we always were, or we can leave here and be a singleness of heart. It's easy to come into the house of the Lord and all of us get in one mind, one accord and worship. It's hard to stay that way when you leave the building. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one's down and out, we're all down there. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. We've got to get in that frame of mind where we're in that one mind, one accord, breaking bread daily, going from house to house, spreading the good news. Pastor's phone's going to blow up. 
So many people are going to be saying, Pastor, you ought to see what happened here. Pastor, I've got to tell you about a miracle over there. Pastor, we laid hands on this guy out here on the street. Pastor, we went to the, we went to the hospital and prayed with this sister. And so they let her, she was healed instantly. Pastor, can we tell you about what else happened over here? Pastor Larry, we, we, something, God's doing something supernatural. Or, Pastor, can you, have, when are you going to have a revival? Pastor, we're ready, we're hungry. I'm telling you folks, when the church is on fire, you don't have to worry about him scheduling meetings. You'll be pushing the doors in to get in. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, delivered by the blood on the doorpost, <laughs> they got out in the wilderness on their way, and the Bible says that the Lord led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, you say, why did he have to do that? Well, why does he have to do that for us? We ain't no difference. We're just wandering. We're just, we're just soldiers. We're just sojourning through land. We're just pilgrims on our way. But we need the Holy Ghost. Man, I mean, we need the Holy Ghost. I mean, we really do. And, and, and so the Lord said, I'm going to lead you, Moses. I'm going to lead the people with that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And the Bible says, and he said, I will. And he never removed it from them. I said, Lord, are you serious? And he said, I'm serious. You find out where I ever took it away. That fire is with you today. I'm leading the church with fire. I'm leading the church with the anointing. Satan knows he's defeated. He cannot enter into the arena of the Holy Ghost. He'll fight you in the flesh. He'll fight you in the world. But he cannot fight you in the presence of God. He cannot fight you in the Holy Ghost, sister. He cannot. He can't. He can't. He can't understand the tongue language, the heavenly language. He don't understand it. He can't understand when you praise, because when you praise the Lord, the Bible said the Lord inhabits the praise of His people. He can't stand near the preach of the gospel. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but to us that are saved, it's the power of God. God is doing something in your life. God is doing something supernatural in your family. I remember one time years ago I was preaching and a man came forward and got saved. When he got saved, he was, man, he was a scoundrel. And uh, I, I graduated from high school with him and he went home and his whole family, they took odds. They bet with one another. He'll never make it a week. But a week went by and he went back to church and was baptized. Forty members of his family came to see him baptized, Larry. Forty members on one Sunday. And when they came, they came to see if he was really going to do it. He was so mean. He was meaner than a junkyard dog. We baptized him. Next Sunday, he was back again. His wife came back. She sat on one end of the pew and he sat on the other. I said, okay, we got some work to do here. I see that right now. The next Sunday to come back, she was halfway here and he was there. The week after that, she moved to within one, pew, one seat of it. And by the fourth Sunday, he had his arm around her right there. About that time, his sister-in-law came down the aisle and gave her life to Jesus. The next Sunday, two or three more of them. 
In six months, all 40 members of that family got saved. All 40. I baptized them all. You don't understand what's about to happen, folks. When I tell you this is church on fire, I'm telling you church on fire. I want you to believe this. Ask your, your son or your daughter. Ask your mother-in-law. Ask your uncle that nobody believes will ever get right. I want you to ask everybody that's in your family and say, please come with us next Sunday to Solid Rock Church. And, and if everyone in this building does this, I'm telling you, there will be an unbelievable move of God. Pastor Larry, there will be an unbelievable move of God. When people come weeping down an aisle and give their life to Jesus Christ, it sets a fire that can't be put out. There's nothing like a newborn babe in Christ who walks out of here and saying, I'm new, I'm free. And they go out and they tell everybody they know how what Jesus had just done for them. And the church then gets enthused. The church sees something happening. The church could feel the anointing. And people start getting healed. Miracles are happening daily. It's, it's like you won't be able to document them fast enough. You can't write them down fast enough. Solid Rock Church is not here by accident. Pastor Larry and Sandy, they're not here because they thought it was a good ideal. If you knew the pain and the struggle and the fight and the sacrifice and it takes to go through 28 years is in unbelievable. And that the, there's many times, I guarantee you, there's many times they thought about quitting. I have. I've thought about it. Just for a moment or two, but I thought about it. It gets real rough. Have you ever felt about like quitting? Just for a moment or two? Then something got a hold of you and said, no. I double dog dare the devil in the name of Jesus. Ain't no way. No, ain't no way. My daddy sings a song, I'm going to die on the battlefield for my Lord. <laughs> Whenever God does something supernatural in your life, when God does something, let me just say this. I feel something, I feel something, I, you know what, I've been preaching almost 40 years, but I never felt this before. I feel... God saying, I want to break this thing loose. I want to, I want to shake Birmingham. I, I want to shake the Southeastern Conference if I can. I want to shake this thing. I want it to get so much anointed that even people will miss an Alabama game to get here. Even Auburn fans will want to come. I want to do something that people will hunger and thirst for, that they'll seek the anointing for. I want them to, they, to where they can't, they can't go home at night. They can't stop talking. They gather in each other's houses talking about the last night's service. They just say, did you hear what Pastor said? Did you hear what Sandy said when she's up there? Did you hear it when they were singing? The rattle, the rattle, and the, the dry bones are rattling. Did you feel that anointing when that sister was testifying? Uh, whatever, what's her name? What's that lady's Huh? Sha Sean? Shauna. Yeah, when she was the preacher's kid. I'm a preacher's kid. Anybody else a PK? There's one over there, and there's one back there. There's one over there, and there's a couple right there, and there's some more over here. 
Yeah, PKs, you guys know what it's like. Man, you got to be on your best behavior at all times. I used to tell my mommy and daddy, I'd say, they'd say, now, boys and girls, there's five in our family, y'all know what you need to do now. Y'all know what you need to do. And I remember one time saying, Daddy, I ain't the one that entered in ministry. He said, no, but you'll wish to God you did when I get done with you. Matter of fact, I told God, I said, once I gave my life to the Lord, I said, look, I'll do anything you want. I'll mow the grass. I'll clean the toilets. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything you want, anything you want, but just don't call me to preach. You don't get to bargain with God like that. You're going to do what he says, and you're going to like it. Can you say amen? Matter of fact, it's the greatest joy now in my life. I, I understand that now. Doesn't matter what, what comes. Doesn't matter what hardships may arrive. It doesn't matter, you know, what people say. It doesn't matter about the persecution. It doesn't really matter. It just really doesn't matter. And I really don't care because when I'm in the presence of the Lord, I'm in I'm at home. Or I'm right now I'm with family. I'm I feel like this is family. Can I be your family? Can I be a family here? I like it. I really do. I can't. I don't say that happens to me everywhere. I mean, I preach in a lot of different places, and you know, did you ever get? A, you ever had a cold shoulder? I've had a couple of those. It ain't everywhere you go where people roll out the red carpet and say, "Come on in, obey the Lord. Feel free. Your family here." Pastor said to me, "Your family here." Church on fire. A fire that can't be put out. A church on fire. A fire that burns. Every one of you can be a flame in the menorah of God. Every one of you can be a flame in the menorah of God. You might say, I can't make much of a difference in the kingdom. You don't understand the impact you have. You're the light shining in the darkness. You're the one that people are watching hoping if they, that you make it because if you could make it, maybe they could make it. They're counting on you. Your family's watching you. They're saying, I'm glad he's still going. I'm glad she goes to church every Sunday. Man, she goes. I don't understand it, but I'm glad she's going. They don't want to see you stumble away because if you stumble away, then there must be no God. They want to see you make it because you're their lifeline for them making it. They're counting on you. God's counting on you. And the best part about it is when you're, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost of God, when you're filled with the Spirit of the Lord, filled with life in you, you can't take this away from me. No. You, you, you can't take this away from me. You can't take what I got in my heart. No, you can't pluck me out of His hand. There's nothing the world has that's worth going back for. There's nothing out there. Because Jesus loved me. He saved me. He's helped me through everything in my life. I give Him praise every day. You know, when I had a stroke, I was on the airline. And I, I went in, I lost my... Didn't know where I was at. I didn't know who I was. I slurred speech and stumbling around. 
Heidi came, took me off the air quietly. Just said, come on, honey. She just reached over and shut that broadcast off. I, I couldn't, couldn't walk good. I couldn't, couldn't talk right. I stumbled around. My vision went bad, and I couldn't see levels. It's, I, I forgot what they call that, space, sp spatial problem. So if I walked up to something, I couldn't tell there was steps. Everything just looked straight to me. So I stumbled. I, I fell, and I fell, and I fell. And I, I couldn't, even now, I, I, I have a hard time with remembering, short-term memory, hard for me. But you know what? Even when all that was going on, I remember every Bible verse I ever remember. See, that thing, that, that, that's been written on the tablets of my heart. I mean, you could be laying in a coma, and I guarantee you the scriptures will still be rising up in your body. So I put worship music on it because I was struggling putting a sentence together. I, you have to understand, folks. And, and the devil said to me, you're going to have to go off the air. You can't do no more live broadcasting. You're done. You're done. I said, nope, I'm going to do it no matter what. Nope. Nope. So I just kept showing up, just kept showing up, just kept showing up. And the Lord kept showing up. God kept showing up. He just keeps showing up. People keep coming to the altar. They keep getting saved. They keep coming to Jesus. They keep coming to Jesus. You see, this gospel, it's real. It's not, it, we're not preaching self-help or some type of improvement. I'm not into seven habits, effectual habits. I'm into one big leap for mankind. I really am. And so I couldn't see, I was staggering around. But God kept speaking and I kept preaching. Larry, I just kept preaching. He might have had to lead me by the hand to get me up there or whatever and lead me back down, but I just kept preaching. I figured, you know what? If God be for me, who can be against me? So today I can tell you that I could take off running right now. I could see just everything just, just about perfect. So the Lord spoke to me when I was still having struggles speaking and said, I want you to make a new album. I said, make a new album? Yeah, you need to put a new album together. Yeah, I was still stuttering around, still struggling with the speech. Make an album. Make an album? Yeah. Go ahead and book the, go ahead and get a hold of the musicians, start tracking them down, call Nashville, get a studio rented. You're going to make an album. So I'm making an album in my mind by faith because in myself, I know that we're in trouble right here. But see, this is how faith works. You have to step out even when there's nowhere to step. You have to, you have to take a chance. Some of you are going to take a chance this morning on God. Some of you today are going to take a chance on God. God's going to tell you to come to forward. I'm, if it's all right, I want to lay hands on as many as I can. I'll probably have Larry help me. Because I believe there's people here. First of all, there's folks that want to be born again. You come up and get saved because you will. You come out of that seat, you'll be saved. 
You, the moment you take one step, God will go the rest of the way with you. Church, if you come up, God will do something supernatural in your life. Take a chance on God. Go ahead and take a chance on him. I, 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 I dare you. Just take a chance on God. See what he'll do. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. And you might say, well, pastor, if he's waiting for me, will he meet me here? <laughs> come and see. Jesus said, come, taste me and see if I ain't good. Come on. Because at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart was rolled away.